You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. Last time we introduced the concept of faith, saying that faith is belief in action. We can't have faith unless there's action associated with it. As we walk through Hebrews 11, we see what that means for the people that we read about in the Bible. Today, we look at a pair of brothers who gave to God. The difference was in how they gave and in what they gave. Do we give our best to God? Do we wait until all our other needs are met and then give God whatever's left? As people of faith, that faith should be exhibited in how we give, giving of our time, our talent, and our resources. Contrary to popular belief, giving isn't just about money, although it can sometimes be a big part of it. Let's look at what it means to give in faith through the story of Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. So I need two volunteers. I'm not doing a magic show, so don't worry about it. Just in case anyone was wondering. <coughs> Church planning is really hard, so actually I've got to start, you know, doing side gigs. So, yeah. Magician. No, but really, seriously, anyone's going to volunteer? Ellie's going to volunteer? Oh, Trey? All right. Look at this. Brave volunteers. I didn't even tell them what they're volunteering for. Okay, now I gave Trey $15, and I gave Ellie $5. Now I want you both to give me $5, okay? Who gave me more? (laughs) You're ruining my thing, man. (laughs) Ellie, why did Ellie give me more? They both gave me $5, didn't they? That's all she had, right? Yeah. I'm going to give you $10 back. No, you're good. You're good. Thank you. Thank, that's it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You can have the money. Take it. Like, see, now everyone's wishing that day. Emma Joe's like, why did I send Ellie up? How could I do that? <laughs> Last week, we started talking about faith. And what that looks like for us, talking about the fact that faith needs action, or belief needs action for it to become faith, right? Like we can't just say we have faith if there's not action associated with it. And we're walking through uh, the book, uh, the, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And... Um, you know, one of the things to think about in regards to faith is that if it's belief in action, it should be bleeding into every aspect of our lives, that people should be able to see belief, not just on Sundays or in certain, like, parts of our life, but it should be evident all across the board. God calls us to faith and trusting him, and part of that faith is in giving um, back to him. If we really believe that God is the giver of all good things, then we need to 
express our gratitude to him in giving back to us and realizing that, that God's given everything that we have to us and we need to respond in gratitude, giving back to him. And, and despite popular belief, I, like lots of churches, when you come uh, in and you talk about giving, like everyone like slides down their seats and they're like, oh, here we go again. He's going to pass the plate and whatever. But like, I firmly believe that when we talk about giving, it's not just a financial thing. Um, it should be every aspect of our lives. Um, we talk about partnership here at the branch, and I firmly believe that there are different kinds of partnership. There are financial partnerships, but there's also serving partnerships where people can take their time and they can give back to God of that. So when we talk about giving, um, while, while financial peace may be a big part of it, we're also talking about giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of all of our resources, not just our money. And it's something that we need to think about. And today, as we continue looking at the book of, or the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, this hall of faith, we look at, at the story of two brothers. Just one verse in Hebrews 11, verse 4. It says, by faith, brought God, uh, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And by faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, though he is dead. Now, some of us might read that verse and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I went to Sunday school. I remember Cain and Abel. Some of us might be like, I have no idea what's going on here. So um, let's go back for not just for a recap for those of us who has been a long time, like a minute since we've been to Sunday school, right? Or for those of us who haven't, aren't familiar with that story, going back to, Hebrew, uh, to Genesis chapter 4, um, starting in the second half of part 2, um, actually part 1, it says that um, Adam, Adam made love to his wife Eve. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood, it cries out from me to the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it'll no longer yield its crop for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land. I'll be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. And Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. 
So two brothers born to Adam and Eve, one's a shepherd, one's a farmer. And they bring their offering to God and, and Cain, who is the older one, um, brings some of his harvest while Cain brings the fat portion, like he brings the best portion. And God looks at the offerings brought by these two brothers and, and on one he, he looks on it and he he's, finds favor there. And on the other one, he, he doesn't. And all of a sudden, Cain's mad. I mean, so, you know, when you get mad at your brothers and sisters, you can blame this right here, okay? Like, it didn't take long before Adam and Eve had kids and they started getting at each other's throat. And Cain gets mad and he takes it out on his brother. And when we look at these offerings that are being brought, we might say, well, one was a farmer, one was a, a shepherd. How, how do we compare them? Isn't this apples and oranges? But the, the key here is what, uh, is not just what they brought, but, but how they brought it as well. Because Abel brings the first fruits. And when you talk, you hear that, that expression in the Bible a lot, this idea of, of bringing your first fruits um, it's the first portion before you get anything else. The first yield of crops would be your first fruits. The first animals that are born um, would be your first fruits. There's something in Scripture over and over again about bringing your first and bringing your best and, and the firstborn and the first fruits we read about over and over and over again. Now, if we think about um, what they're bringing again one's got the 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 yield from his fields while the other one's got the the finest of his flocks or or just whatever um, he thinks is the finest of his flocks and they are bringing that to the lord because that's what you do right you bring an offering to the lord and and I don't think that God was looking at Cain and saying, oh, well, you didn't bring me what, what your brother brought me. I don't think Abel, or God was looking at Abel and saying, well, you, you know, you didn't bring me what your brother bought, brought me. He was looking at them and saying, out of what I've given you, what have you brought? And one of the things we said last week was that in regards to faith, none of us are going to be judged on the faith of somebody else. We're going to be judged based on what God has given us. So are we having as much faith from all the things that God has given? You know, we, that illustration that we used in the beginning with, with Trey and with Ellie. Like if somebody has $5 and they give all of that $5, it is a, a bigger offering than somebody who's got $15 and, and gives $5. Because that person who, who gave five dollars and still has ten left over they're like okay I, I've still got my like cover my rear end fund over here right like I still have something to, to fall back on versus somebody who that's all they have and and they give it to the Lord there's even a a, a story in scripture where um, there's a widow who who brings all she has in the temple and then there's another guy who's kind of like strutting his stuff and he puts down his offering and God says, yeah, which one? Jesus says, which one gave more? 
you know, was the one who gave out of everything that they had. If, when we give, like, it should hurt. And we shouldn't give to the point of comfort all the time. We should give to the point of hurt, where we're like, man, this is a little uncomfortable for me. And Abel gave first, he didn't know what was going to come after. He had this first uh, fruits of his flock. And before he did anything else, he took this fat portion and he gave it to the Lord. He wasn't guaranteed what was going to come after that. But, but Cain, when he was looking at his storehouse, he's probably like, all right, look, let's see, I've got that. And if, if I calculate it, if I do, you know, some of that smart math that we got nowadays and I carry the one, I, okay, I think I can give this much to God. Do you see the difference there between like from the top saying, hey, regardless of what comes after this, I'm giving this to God. Versus saying, let me get it all in here, let me calculate it out, and then I'll decide how much I can give to God. Some of us have a hard time with that, not just financially, but like across the board because of the lack of margin in our lives. We as a country stink at living with margin, whether it means financially, whether it means time, whatever it is. We don't do that well, and so we look at all of our lives and we say, okay, well, like, let me see what's left over. And I'm going to give God whatever that, like, leftovers is. Like, hey, last time I checked, unless, unless you're like family, when, when somebody special comes over to my house, man, I ain't going to the fridge to get leftovers. Like, I'm going to cook up a good meal. And yet, somehow or another, it's okay for us when God comes to say, hey, I'm going to give you leftovers. I'm going to, you know, take all the good stuff for myself. But that's not what Abel did here. He gave the best. And God accepted his offering and looked at it favorably, but not so with Cain. And Cain got angry. And God knew what was in Cain's heart, and he warned him in verse 7 of Genesis 4 what was coming. If you have a digital Bible, if you have a a paper Bible, highlight that verse. Highlight Genesis 4-7. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to go back and remember this. I should probably put this verse on the dashboard in my car because if there's ever a time that I get angry and potentially let it lead me to sin, it's when I'm behind the wheel of a car. But look what it says there you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Elsewhere in the Bible, Peter, who, if we are familiar with Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, Peter says that we have an enemy who's, who's crouching like a lion, ready to devour in much the same way that the God tells Cain, hey man, like, you're this close to making a bad decision. And if you don't get a handle on that, if you don't start ruling over it, then it's going to have you. Because guess what? Like sin, you either rule over it or it rules over you. Ain't no in-between. Okay? Like you can't get one uh, in-between place there. It's one or the other. And God warned Cain 
Anger in and of itself isn't like a sin. It's what we do with that anger. You know, there's righteous anger that will lead us to action. So many things in, in this world have been caused um, be, or have been tried to be, be remedied by someone getting angry over something. When we see injustices in the world, hey, it's okay to be angry about that. Don't sin in that anger. Let it lead to something good. Here, Cain got angry, and that anger led to jealousy, and that jealousy led to what? Murder. And you're like, man, it don't escalate that much. Like, man, you've never seen two girls fight before, right? Siblings. And all of a sudden, one's dead, and God gives Cain the opportunity to right the wrong and even be honest. And what does he say? Where's your brother? I, I don't know. Do you not know who's like been watching you this whole time? And you think that you can hide that from God? And he hides it. You know, when anger overtakes us, it rarely comes out on the person who causes it to. Right? Like, Cain's probably angry at himself, because he decided he was going to look at everything and say, okay, I'm going to give leftovers to God. Cain's the first one who comes, or Abel's the first one who comes along and he gets angry at, Cain gets angry at his brother, calls him out in the field, hits him in the head with a rock and leaves him there. When we get angry, it's usually not the people who cause that anger who we take it out on take it out on whoever comes along and Abel gets the brunt of it here and as we look at this I think there's three things that stand out to me as to what the result of that anger and sin and jealousy were first of all the soil becomes hard to work secondly Cain loses his birthright and third he loses his place in an important family line so first of all, he, he loses uh, or the soil becomes difficult to work. And man, if you've dug at all here in Hanover County, you understand this. So next time that you're trying to like put in a fence or, you know, put an electric line or something and you're having to dig through that nasty hard pan, just say, thank you, Kane. You did this like this is your fault right? Like if you're a farmer and you have to try to plant things or you're planting a garden and you're struggling with the soil, you can thank Cain for that. It's all his fault. The reason why it's hard to toil in the dirt is because of this. It becomes a burden and a difficult thing for us to work the soil now. But bigger than that, we see in in verse 12, that, that God casts Cain out of the land. And he says he becomes a, a restless wanderer. And the, the, the Hebrew word here that's used, it literally means to shake. You think about if you ever get cold and, and you, you're like shivering. Like you cannot get comfortable when you're like, like, try to get comfortable when you're shivering and you're shaking. It doesn't happen. And that's what's happening to, to Cain is that he's cast out of the land. He's restless. He's, he's shaking for the rest of his life. 
the King James Version in the translation of the Bible, it, it says that he's a fugitive and he's a bag, vagabond. Like somebody who's a fugitive, they do not stop. They run and run and run. Every time they think they're okay, they keep running. Now God makes a promise to Cain that, hey, like no one's going to kill you. I'm going to put this mark on you. If anybody does any harm to you, they're going to they're gonna get it seven times back. So it's not going to happen. So Cain is just restless, wandering, and a vagabond. He's homeless. He's got nothing. Now, if we think back, and, and families have changed dramatically since, since Cain and Abel, but um, back in, in early Scripture, we see that there was a point in kind of the pecking order of families. The firstborn was always the most important, the firstborn male especially, that he was the one who would carry on the family name. He was the one who would be given a double portion of the inheritance. And you know what? After Cain makes this decision, after he doesn't lord over his sin, after he lets it take him to the point of jealousy and then anger and murder, he forfeits it. He's no longer going to gain his birthright. He's a vagabond. He's, he's homeless. He ain't got nothing. So he loses his inheritance, but a little while later, if we read on in Genesis 4, it says that Eve gave birth to another son whose name was Seth. And again, for not that you can replace a child, you can't replace a child, but in the order of things, um, Seth was the replacement uh, for, for Abel here. But not only did, did he come in and take that place, but he actually went up in the order of things. Because Cain was the first, he by rights should have gained the inheritance. He should have been the one who carried on the family name. But because of what he did, he was cast out, and it was almost as if he wasn't even part of the family anymore. And because Abel's dead, now Seth takes that place. And if you read through, you know, as we walk towards Christmas, we may or may not get to those uh, family tree that are written in Matthew and written in, in Luke in the New Testament. And if we read through the lineage of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, you know whose name is there and whose name is not? Seth's name is there and Cain's isn't. And it should, be the, uh, it should be the other way around. You see, if, if Cain hadn't killed his brother, like, his name would be there. In the line of David and in the line of Jesus. But because of what he did, because of the bad decision that he made, because he didn't rule over his sin, because he didn't give God what he was supposed to give, he forfeited a whole heck of a lot. And one of the things that we need to ask ourselves is when we decide that we're going to hold something back, if we decide that, hey, I'm not going to give everything that God's calling me, or, or we decide that, hey, I'm going to let this, you know, I'm gonna, not going to rule over this sin, and we think that we can make a decision of what that's going to look like on the other side. You can say, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count the cost and see if, if it's really worth it or not. If, if it's worth it. 
when we decide to hold back whatever it is from God, will it be worth it? Will it really be worth it? I'm not saying that God's going to react the same way that, uh, that he did here, nor am I saying that any of us are going to be going and murdering our brothers. I hope that doesn't happen here because, you know, I'll come visit you in jail, but I don't like to, okay? But like, what are we forfeiting? We look at what happened here with Cain. He made three bad decisions that led to three bad consequences. And the question that I've got to ask is, can any of us fully know what we're going to lose on the other side of a bad decision? We'd like to think in the midst of it, like, okay, let me think about this. Hmm. Some of us ain't going to think, right? Like, we just come to a, a decision and we're like, Phew, I'm just going into it. I'm, I'm going. And we think about it afterwards. But like for Cain, he made decisions that led to consequences. And Cain became a restless wanderer. And Abel is dead, but if we look back at the verse in Hebrews 11, we see that even though Cain is dead, what does it say there at the end of verse 4? And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Cain, what's he? Like he's the poster child for bad decisions, for don't do this. And Abel, even though his life was snuffed out early, like he is an example for us of what it is, what God's calling us to, to give the first, the best of all that we've been given and saying, I'm going to give it to God. He's got a place in history imprinted here in the hall of faith for us to look at and say, Abel did it right. Cain, not so much. Abel got it right. And so what do we do with all this? I think the first question we need to ask ourselves is, are, are you giving God your best? And, you know, I, look, if there's anything that I try to, to cultivate here at the branch, it's, like, it's honesty and stuff. And so, like, let's be real here. Like, if, if we've struggled with this, like, you ain't waking up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden like you've had an epiphany and you're just going to knock it out of the park. Like, like, hey, I've really sucked at like giving God my best and tomorrow I'm going to be great at it. Like, no, I don't think that happens. Like, it's a journey, okay? So like if you, if you haven't done well in that, and again, when we're talking about giving, we're not just talking financial here. We're talking across the board. Like, if you're not doing well, like, let's take some small steps and let's do it together to say, hey, am I giving my best to God? Second question to ask ourselves is, what are we forfeiting? You know, one of the things that, um, like, I've had to spend time in, with counselors and, and other mentors in my older years, like, working out of is that, like, thinking that when I step out of line, there's this divine hammer that's going to come out of the sky and like knock me out. I mean, I was just telling somebody yesterday that, man, my mom instilled the fear of God in me to the point that like, I'm still, she'd been dead 10 years. I'm still afraid to do the wrong thing because I'm afraid like the ghost of my mom is going to come out of the woodwork and like, 
like, tell me, like, why did you do that? Now, I don't really believe in ghosts, but, like, you hear me, right? Like, she did whatever she did, she did it right, right? That I'm just afraid still of her. But, like, sometimes it's not so much that there's a punishment that we get when we don't do what God's calling us to. Sometimes it's the forfeiture of blessing, and we see that with Cain, right? Like, he didn't get to be in the line of David and the line of Jesus. Does that hurt him? Like, it's not a punishment per se that he feels, but man, like, what a blessing it would have been if he had been. And I'm a firm believer that sometimes the things that we forfeit when we don't give God what's rightfully his are blessings that he will give us. Go back to that illustration in the beginning, right? Ellie gave me her $5, not having a clue that in the end she'd walk out with 10, right? That's the posture that we need to have with God. We need to say, hey, I'm going to give it to you even if you don't give it back. And if you do give it back, man, I've been blessed. You gave me more than what I even expected. And I can tell you that I've seen that happen over and over and over again. My dad was a pastor, and I saw that in his life. I've been a pastor for going on 20 years now, and I've seen that in my life. Like, you cannot outgive God. And we may not feel like there's a punishment, but we may forfeit a blessing when we don't give him what he's rightfully due. And then the last question they ask ourselves is, what legacy of faith are we leaving? And I think it's a question we're going to ask ourselves over and over and over again through this hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And what is the legacy that we leave for those? Some of us have children, some of us don't. All of us, if we're followers of Christ, should have some kind of children, whether they be physical children or spiritual children, adopted children. And what is the legacy of faith that we're leaving for them? What do they see? Do they see belief or do they see faith? Because you see, faith is belief in action. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for the example of Cain and Abel. And God, it's a hard story a difficult lesson to learn. It's a difficult lesson for us to learn at times. And God, it's scary to step out in faith, in giving. Because when we give to you, whether it's financial, whether it's time, whatever it is, we're always worried about, will I have enough for me? If I'm honest, that's my heart in that. And so God, show us what it means to step out in faith. Show us what it means to to give you out of the best of what you've given to us, knowing that, God, you will not hang us out to dry. So, God, increase our faith, we pray. Show us how to live in faith, in giving and in serving and doing all the things that you call us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we bringing our best to God? Are we holding something back? 
If we're holding back from God, what are we forfeiting in the process? Cain's decision to hold back from God led to his jealousy against his brother, and the downward spiral continued from there. He killed his brother, forfeited his birthright, and the privilege of carrying on the family name. What are we leaving as an example for those who come behind us? Do they see our faith in all that we do? We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.